This is um, episode one of Bullpen Chat. I'm Chris Gadu. And And I'm Mark Ducharme from uh, the voice of Vermont baseball, self-proclaimed. So, Mark, um, we've talked about what we're going to discuss here. So we're just going to talk about this opening podcast, the Hall of Fame, and what recently went down. The uh, admission of Pedro, our favorite. Randy, the big lefty, also known as the big unit. Uh, Craig Biggio and oh, John Smoltz. John Smoltz. So, um, what do you think of all four of those? Not surprised that Pedro got in or Randy. A little surprised about Mr. Smoltz. A little surprised about Mr. Biggio. Um, like, didn't have any problem with Pedro getting in. Um, it was kind of fascinating to learn about how sports writers tend to leave people off their list so that others can receive votes and stay eligible, which I hadn't really thought about. I thought a lot of these guys were just spiteful in their voting. So it appears there's a, there's a more uh, democratic uh, voice going on there. Well, I, I mean, I guess that's a generous way of putting that, but I think some people, right, will do that, but I think some people are just morons. Like, I don't know, I think Richard Aurelio got a vote, or, you know. Really? Yeah, I, I, I can call that up. It, and there's some crazy people who always get votes. You want to say, like, how, how can that person get a vote, and um, mm. you didn't. So, like, yeah. No, Richard Aurelio didn't get a vote, but Darren Erstad got a vote. <laughs> Tom Gordon got two. Well, he deserves at least one vote for his meltdown in 2004 postseason. He deserves a vote for the oh, Hall of Fame? Yeah. That was quite a meltdown. That was Hall of Fame-ish. <laughs> well, and Aaron Boone got two votes, I guess, solely based on that home run. Yeah, 2003, yeah. And that's that's certainly someone who feels like the entire Boone family, Debbie as well. <laughs> Should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Well, Troy Percival got four. He was dominant for a few years. But really, you he, there's no way he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. You're going to give him four votes? Yeah, I guess four is too many. Maybe two. <laughs> Carlos Delgado got 21. Well, I can see that. Carlos was an intimidating presence for several years. I uh, Agreed. Those guys, though, are now off the ballot because they got less than 5%. And Nomar stays on the ballot because he got 30 votes, 5.5%. So he's still on the ballot. If Nomar gets in as much as I loved him, I'm done. Yeah, no, he's not getting in. I'm done. That would make no sense to me. I loved the guy, but he and he was fantastic for four or five years. And after that, he was an average effect. If that ball player run average is 2.98, he's a run over that, but he's also in the era of uh, designated hitter. Average number of starts is 462. He's above that. Um, and then, of course, there's the infamous war statistic. I'm not sure what Messina is on that. Uh, let me see here. He's an 82.7. The average is 70. So... Just looking at those quick categories, Big Mike deserves to be in there. Yeah, but don't, I mean, do you think he deserves to be in over Smoltz? I do. I mean, I think 
Smoltz didn't. Smoltz also pitched in the NL, right? So he got to face the pitcher. Right. So that bolstered his stats. Um, just because he went in relief for three years, I don't know why that, you know, makes such a difference in him. Yeah, he's, got make that, him... he's got that Eckersley love there of, of doing both and being exceptional and being exceptional in both. Yeah, but that implies that Mike Yusina couldn't have done that. Right, right. He just wasn't asked to do that. Right. Yeah, he was on much crappier teams, too. Like, if you look at, like, he went 1911 in 1996. His staff was him. I guess David Wells had a 514 ERA. Scott Erickson had a 502 ERA. Rocky Coppinger, a 518 ERA. And Kent Merker, a 776 ERA. And he had they had Randy Myers in the bullpen. So why would you want Mike Mussina in the bullpen, right? Right, right. So he had stuff like that where, you know, I, I think Smoltz had slightly better pitching. Yeah, it is interesting. You know, when you think of his sort of, I'm looking at, um, I don't know, a good 13 or 14 years as a starting pitcher. He won 20 games once. And won more than 16 games, other than 20 game season, twice. And maybe we don't really count wins all that much. I guess it would be now quality starts. And Are you talking about Mucina? Talking about Smoltz. Oh yeah, Smoltz doesn't. Yeah, it's interesting. It's got to be just you know. I wonder if it's being on you know the Turner Network and getting getting lots of uh, coverage all those years and being on winning teams and being in the postseason. And getting the coattails of Maddox and Glavin, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. One ERA title, led the league in innings pitched a couple times, led the league in strikeouts a couple times. Right, and and Mucina never had that, I mean, but... In, in terms of wins over 16, right? He had he had 10 seasons where he had more than six, 16 and more wins. Mm-hmm. And he pitched in the AL East too. His entire career. Well, you know, my whole theory on the Hall of Fame, Chris, is that it it comes down to the Star Trek holodeck theory, and that is, you know, if I'm if I'm on the holodeck, do I choose to go back in time and watch these guys? play and I gotta say to both of them the answer to that is emphatic no I wouldn't waste my time on either one of them yeah but then I think with your holodeck theory mm-hmm. you're, you want a small hall of fame that's a small hall of fame criteria hmm well it's true um, and I and I think I I I I'm more of a when I program a holodeck I I see someone as really dominant for several years in the league and and I want to go back and I want to watch them play, and uh, so as a you know as a case in point, uh, here's a there's a Hall of Famer in there who legally, uh, according to baseball rules, pitched in the National League for a short time, retired at the age of 28, and his lifetime record was 21 and 28. Candy Cummings, his real name is William Arthur, his nickname was Candy. I didn't spend enough time trying to figure out why he got the nickname Candy, but he is he is credited with 
the person being as the one who invented the curveball. So prior to Candy Cummings, there's no curveball being thrown in baseball. No, so and that's we, why he's in the Hall of Fame. Well, he did have, yeah, yeah, that is why. He, um, he also wrote a couple articles about the curveball, and in each article he was very clear that he was the one who invented it. And he seldom gives any credit to his catcher, Nat Hicks. And it was Nat Hicks who decided, I'm not going to stand 20 to 30 feet behind home plate, which is what most of them used to do. Yeah. I'm going to sit right behind home plate so that I can catch your curveball. So, you know, Nat Hicks deserves a, a shout out there because without Nat Hicks, Kenny Cummings can't throw his curveball because the sure. catchers couldn't catch it. But anyway, once he got his curveball going, he won. He had seasons where he won 33, 28, 28, and 35. Uh, but these were in amateur leagues. Right. Yeah. Well, he also uh, pitched 497 innings in 1872 at the age of 23. That's right, which is amazing. That's old Haas Radburn territory. It is. Um, but unlike old Haas, who threw his arm out, demanding to pitch every single game uh, on t in two consecutive seasons for the most part, Apparently, Candy um, outlived his own invention because um, one, he was only five foot nine, one hundred and twenty pounds. Yeah, think about that, which was small even for that era. And other pitchers figured out how to throw the curveball and throw it harder with more accuracy. And also, the batters learned how to hit the curveball. So essentially, he became extinct and uh, retired at the age of twenty-eight. Uh, and eventually went into a uh, painting business <laughs> and retired from the game. And yet he's he's in the Hall of Fame. So if I'm Kurt Schilling, whether he's joking or not, you know, you might wonder, that guy's in and I'm not? How is that possible? Well, I would argue, actually, Mark, with your holodeck theory, yeah. knowing now what you just told me about Candy Cummings, yeah. I'd like to go back in time and see the first curveball being thrown. That's so, what I'm saying. So, oh, so you're saying Candy does deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Oh. I, well, only under holodeck parameters. I want to go. <laughs> I want to go back and watch him play. You know, just like, you know, I was looking up. You and I talked prior to the podcast about, you know, Kurt Schilling's comments about how he didn't get in because he's too Republican, and then apparently he took it back. But before I realized he took it back. You know, I went online and was sort of studying, well, you know, what's his what's his beef? You know, the guy won, what, 216 games, Chris? 211? I don't know. Yeah, I think it was 216. And so there are a number of pitchers, you know, who got in, and I think wins is used to be a big criteria for a pitcher back when they used to finish what they started. And, you know, and he's got more wins than several guys in there, Dizzy Dean being one and Sandy Koufax being the other. But I just cannot put Kurt Schillings in the same territory as Sandy Koufax. I can't do it. Sandy Koufax, I want to go back and watch pitch. Uh, and I got to say, as much as I hate to say it, Kurt Schilling actually might be someone I'd want to go back, use the holodeck and watch. Yeah, because I think what you're doing is you're also taking your holodeck criteria on your 2015 person. Mm. Maybe when you're 70, you'll say, you know, I want to go back and watch the bloody sock game. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there's that, and I want to go back and watch him, you know, throw darts at the Yankees in the, what was it, 99 World Series or 2001, I can't remember, uh, when he was with the yeah. uh, Diamondbacks. Yeah. 
But Randy Johnson, I know right away, he's definitely a guy I'd want to go back and watch. All right, well, let, let's just do this holodeck exercise. Okay. Vigio, you want to watch him? No. I don't either. No. Randy Johnson. Nope. In five years from now, I won't even remember Craig Vigio played. You, you won't even remember him as the best player on his team. No. Yeah, he's gone. Well, and he's... I'd also argue what Houston Astros fan would say, I want Craig Vigio in ahead of Jeff Bagwell. Or Jose Cruz. Or <laughs> Jose Cruz. Really? I mean, he was God for a well, while. Well, and using your holodeck theory, I'd like to go back and see Mike Scott, that tremendous season he had. Yes. And that, well, that we're also talking about individual games, like mm. when he pitched against the Mets. But Mike Scott was great to watch. He was. Period. Okay, so Pedro's in on the holodeck yes. theory. Oh, you'd want to watch him again and again. Yes. So, under your holodeck theory, do you... You would go back and watch him for one game, numerous games. How many? How much do you have to want to go back to see him? Well, okay. Here's the other thing about the holodeck. Um, just just going from uh, StarTrek.com database, um, it's a smart virtual reality system, a piece of technology that combines the transporter, the replicator, and holograph sy systems. And what it allows you to do, this is what I thought was interesting, um, it can create both solid props and characters as well as holographic background to evoke any vista, any scenario, or any personality, all based on whatever real or fictional parameters are programmed. So I think I'm also, as much as I hate to say it, but sometimes the persona of the individual might went out a little more over these statistics. So, for example, Randy Johnson had such a presence on the mound. You know, uh, as much as I can't stand him, Roger Clemens had a presence on the mound. You know? I mean, Mickey Mantle, because he was in such pain all the time, swinging the bat, would definitely be someone I'd want to go back and watch, you know? I don't know if that answers your question. Well, so, but um, so I, it sounds to me like you'd like to watch them more than for, like, one specific game. Like, I'm thinking Mike Scott. I'd like to see that, you know, the, the, the series that the Mets beat the Astros in to get to the Red Sox. Right, right. That was a greatly pitched series, and I'd love right. to see that. But is that enough for me to say Mike Scott deserves to be in the Hall of Fame because I want to see that? Or do I should, would I have to see a larger body of his work? Would I want to go back and see more? Yeah, I think... I think I have, you know, I haven't thought this through all the way, but I, I was thinking when I look at the list of players in the Hall of Fame, the ones that shouldn't be there, the ones that I have no interest in watching play, like I don't feel like I missed out on anything. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Mike Scott's not in the Hall of Fame, so I'm not worried about him. Um, over the course of his career, he's not someone, I mean, I watched him pitch, uh, so that's probably a little bit of that 2015 recognition there but he's not someone i want to go back we could talk another time about series of games that we'd like to go back and watch or single game moments or, or you know jim bottomley knocking in what was that 12 runs and a double header certainly that would be fun to watch or johnny vandermeer throwing his two no hitters so throw a hall of famer out there well but then so but then the hall of fame isn't just about players though i mean so we're going to eliminate every manager yeah, out. That's ridiculous. Umpires out. out too. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. Jesus, and I there's, we... there, 
Aren't there sports writers in the Hall of Fame? Forget it. I don't think so. I think sports writers have their own. Really? I think there's this little separate section for them, but they're not How about the Hall owners? Of Fame. Isn't Steinbrenner in the Hall of Fame? That's no, nuts. No, he's not, but Walter O'Malley is. Oh, please. Some guy named Effa Manley, who was a pioneer executive of the Negro League. There were a lot of people like that. So you, you might want to, you know, in terms of it being a museum, I can see there's a wing for that type of stuff, but right. for the best players in the game. All right, so um, Smoltz is a no. He's okay. out. Tommy Glavin. Tommy Glavin deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I, I, it's not a problem for me. He's boring, but he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. So why does he deserve to be in the Hall of Fame over John Smoltz? Longevity as a starting pitcher. Uh, you know, I think if you look at his number of quality starts and wins, he's got to be in the top five to ten in the last 25 years, I'm guessing. I'm not, I haven't done any research on that. Yeah, I didn't even know there was a quality start stat on baseball reference. I don't see one, but mm. um, no, I mean, Glavin won over 300 games in this era, which is pretty impressive, right? Yeah, well, you know what Dennis Eckersley says about quality starts. Yeah, four runs is not a quality start in six innings. Right. You'd lose your job for that, right? That'd That's be... right. <laughs> I'm more borderline on Glavin, but I, I could be swayed. Um, I, I would like to see him pitch in the All-Star game when he gave up a bazillion singles. Oh, that's right, yeah. That was it's... so painful to watch. I felt bad for him. Yeah, and didn't he start a game for the Mets and it was for the— it was for first place at the end of his career, last game of the season, and he just—he didn't even get out of the first inning. I don't remember. Not how he kind of ended his career. I can check. Hang on a sec. Such a great memory. September thirtieth, the Mets played the Marlins, and he lasted a third of an inning. Wow. Five hits, two walks, seven earned runs. That is unpleasant. Well, I remember that well because a good friend of mine is a Mets fan. And you have I, a friend who's a Mets fan? Yeah. And I was t <laughs> I uh, was talking to him about it and he said it just he hurled a few expletives and he said uh, it ruined his whole day because he had planned his whole day around that game. And so he was all set in front of the television, thought he had a good three and a half hours of just pure enjoyment. And the TV was off in 25 minutes. It was <laughs> over. Seriously, it was yeah. over. Yeah. So. All right. So Greg Maddox, no brainer. Yeah. Joe, T um, Frank Thomas. I have real issues with designated hitters being in the Hall of Fame. Really? Yeah. Especially ones who had butts as big as his. Wow. Because I, I, I would like to I liked seeing Frank Thomas hit. That was a scary sight. I think he used steroids and got away with it. Yeah, well that's the steroids is a whole another discussion because I think the steroid thing is stupid. I think it, we should just get over that. It's part of what was part of this era. Which also, you know, I would go back and watch Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa bat. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Yeah. So you're you're no with Frank Thomas. I, I'm a yes with Frank Thomas. I, I I would go back and watch him. Uh, Barry Larkin. Ugh. Joe Morgan kind of ruined me on Barry Larkin, but yeah. He, uh, Why did Joe Morgan ruin you on Barry Larkin? 
Oh, I take that back. That was Dave Concepcion. <laughs> Joe Morgan ruined me on. I got so tired of listening to him talk about Dave Concepcion. Barry Larkin, you know, I didn't I don't know him well enough to to comment. Oh well, he was an amazing shortstop. Three seventy one lifetime OBP. Hundred and ninety eight homers. Three hundred and seventy nine stolen base. He's a hell of a shortstop. Okay, so you're a no on Barry Larkin. You don't care to see that part of that memory no. of the Big Red Machine post Big Red Machine. No, no interest. Okay. Ron Santo. Ronnie deserves to be in there. Deserved to be in there a long time ago. I, and I, he's tough because I would love to go back and watch the 69 70 Cubs, period. Yeah. I, I loved those teams. Those are great teams. I mean, I can tell you. This is strange, but I can tell you, Randy Hundley catching Ernie Banks first base, Glenn Becker second base, Don Kessinger shortstop, uh, Ron Santo third base, Jim Hickman, Billy Williams. And who is center fielder? Oh. That's going to be a tough one. Mm. I've got it right here. Wait. Uh, In 69, he only, had, he only played 101 games. I don't know. Well, in 70, it was different. 69, it was Don Young. 70, oh. was Cleon James. Oh, right. And then, of course, you had Holtzman, Hands, Jenkins, Milt Pappas one year. And, uh... Well, why do you remember Jim Hick Hickman over Johnny Callison? I Maybe. think this, Jim Hickman had a really good year, uh, like in 69, 70, or 71, and Johnny Callison was sort of at the end of his career. I thought Hickman played more than Callison, no? Well, Hickman played in 69. He had 237, 326, 467, hmm. 21 homers. So, you know, not a fantastic, you know? Yeah. And then Callison played in 70, and he had uh, 19 homers, huh. 68 RBIs, 264, 348. So, you know. So I need to switch those guys in my head. Maybe. And Callison also played in 71. Hmm. But he only hit 210, so he was at the end. But why do you remember the Cubs so vividly? I liked them. I liked the Cubs. They were, uh, you know, at the time I was a Senators fan. There's not a whole lot to cheer about, and I'm certainly not going to root for the Orioles in 69 or 70 or 71. And so I, I think I just kind of moved over to the National League. I was pretty fascinated with Fergie Jenkins. I really liked the kid. Enjoyed watching him pitch. See, you're you're two years older than me, so your memories are a little. Well, your memory's always better than mine, but mm. you're slightly. You're you're slightly ahead of me, right? Yeah. So, how about the spitter? Gaylord? No, no. For those who don't know, Robbie Alomar. Oh, spitter. <laughs> yeah, I guess this is where I run into trouble with my. Uh, Holodeck theory, because Bobby Alomar, Robbie, whatever you want to call him, he deserves to be in there, but I don't care to watch him play. Well, and the Holodeck theory is pretty subjective. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But it kind of, maybe it should be used if there's ever a question Yeah, whether someone belongs. And I think that's where Candy, the Candy Cummings rule, is there a reason why we want to go back and watch him play? Maybe we modify that now. Right. Fly you, do you get in the Hall of Fame because you can just pitch forever? 
you know, if that's the case, you know, is that why Hoyt Wilhelm got in? No, Hoyt she... Wilhelm was, I told you about. Yeah. From 40 to 49, that yeah. was an amazing run. I can't yeah. imagine going out of my 40s and feeling good enough, even if I was a professional athlete, to do that. That was amazing. Was he doing that at the same time that George Blanda and Gordie Howe were playing? I don't know. Huh. That'd be interesting. It's like an age thing, right? I mean, Blylevin pitched for 22 years. I mean, a lot of this is like counting stats, right? Like Craig Biggio played forever. Yeah. He was in because he got 3,000 hits because he played forever, right? I think I did some stats. There are only 100 of the 198 batters in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> only 11 had more at-bats than Biggio. Yeah, and you know who's in there as well in terms of longevity is Jastrzemski. I hate to say it. Because he, you look at his career years, and they're fairly average with, you know, an anomaly every, every six years. I mean, and he's a guy I would want to go back and watch. Right. But in terms of longevity, you know, the designated hitter really helped him just play forever. Oh, it helped, it helped, you know, some players, yeah. Well, yeah, he wasn't around that much for designated hitter, but... I don't know. Yaz is, uh, well, we're a little uh, biased in our opinion here with Yaz, but yeah. I think he's got to go in, I mean. Oh, no, he he does. I mean, there's certainly more than just his... his. Uh... I mean, Craig Biggio never had a year like Yaz. I mean, Yaz, Yaz is 67, was just... Yeah. He carried that team. Yeah. So here, here are the 11 guys who had more at-bats than Biggio. Aaron, Yaz, mm -hmm. Ripken, Ty Cobb, Eddie Murray, Robin Yount, Dave Winfield, Stan Musial, Ricky Henderson, Willie Mays, Paul Molitor. Biggio isn't near any of those guys, in my opinion. Yeah. And he played all those years. Boy, he, he really went unnoticed by me. I guess I don't have an appreciation of Craig Biggio. But I don't, I don't think he should be. I mean, he should be in, but not before Bagwell. There, there's no way there's a Hall of Fame that doesn't include Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and has Craig Biggio in. Right. That's just moralizing. Yeah. Well, speaking of Henry Aaron, I just want to go on record. He apparently um, is one of the top liberal donators to... Uh, presidential campaigns. Well, that's good to know. Right behind Lou Brock. Wow. <laughs> and uh, we're also donating to the uh, blue team are the Orioles, the Twins, the Giants, and the Dodgers. They're all liberal? Yeah. Those teams, huh? Yeah. And which, what are the conservative ones? Are the Red Sox among the conservative ones? Uh, well, I, this information comes from the Sunlight Foundation blog who are a nonpartisan, nonprofit uh, site that wants open government globally and uses technology to make government accountable for everything they do. So based on that site, they have the Pirates, Reds, Royals, and Rangers as the most, uh, as the largest donors to the GOP. Um, and according to their stats, it was like a 75%, 25% ratio of donations to the Grand Old Party in Major League Baseball, period. Well, that's not surprising. Yeah. It's money. And the biggest donors by individual players, this is interesting. Gordon Beckham, 
<laughs> Gordon Beckham. Yeah. Travis Hafner, Jeremy Guthrie, and Houston Street. <laughs> well, you know, with that, I mean, that's surprising, but I guess that just shows you which ones are more politically involved, right? Oh, that's a nice point. That's a much better way of looking at Gordon Beckham. Well, yeah, I'm not, I mean, I bet you there are lots of players who could care less and don't donate any money right. to campaigns, right? But some people, you know, feel strongly about their views and are putting their money where their mouth is. And plus, you know, these baseball players, you think about, that's a, a, a drop in the bucket for them, the, mm -hmm. the, the campaign limits on what they can donate, unless they're starting their own political action committee and then throwing tons of money in it. Right. Does it say how much Gordon Beckham donated? Uh, it may. I didn't read the whole article. Yeah, so. I, I mean, I, I think, I mean, maybe if he donated the max to every single Republican candidate in the country, but it'd be like five grand. I think you can donate five grand per person. Yeah. Well, let's, um, let's go back to our original piece here, Chris. So what have, what have we, um, have we come to a conclusion at all about, um, this year's Hall of Fame vote, I think you and I are in agreement that um, uh, Pedro deserves it. Randy deserves it. I think we're we're a little surprised that Bijo makes it over Bagwell. And I, I think you and I both agree that Mike Messina, uh, as much as we despise him for suddenly deciding that he can pitch under pressure in 2003 when he shut out the Red Sox for several innings in that pivotal game seven, but it made... 2004 so much sweeter he certainly deserves to be in the hall of fame over john smoltz are we in agreement on that yeah i i would say and i i, I it's not to say i don't think smoltz or biggio don't deserve to be in right um it's just i don't see how they get in ahead of some other guys that are already on the ballot and i th i think speaking about we don't have to do this next week but i i think it I think it would help us. I, I think next week, let's um, let's think about having a special podcast on uh, on Jim Rice and why he belongs in the podcast. Because you and I both are, I think, I think we both agree that he doesn't belong in there. So I'm wondering what we two could come up with to uh, discredit Jim Ed that he does not belong. I mean, that he does belong in the hall. I mean, what? Right. Of course, you said Jim Ed doesn't belong in the podcast, but you know, he does belong in the podcast, but not in the Hall of Fame. We, we, we can mention oh, the podcast. That's yeah. I'm just teasing you. Um, <laughs> well, no, I think if Jim Ed goes in, Dewey goes in. I would put Dewey in ahead of Jim Ed, but um, huh. we can talk about that. Yeah. As much as I love Dewey, I'd, yeah, we've had this discussion now. But over Jim Ed, I mean, if we're comparing him to Jim Ed, I think there's a discussion, but we can talk about why why Rice does not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, even though, under your holodeck theory, I might want to go see him. Exactly, I want to go see Jim Rice, and uh, you know, and there also could be the uh, the puddle theory. You know, when a pitcher's looking in, having to throw to Jim Rice, does he wet his pants? Yes. Does he wet his pants for Dewey? No. He's just worried that he's going to walk him. <laughs> or, or arguably, as we're as we're pre we're previewing next week's podcast, or we could say the pitchers on the mound saying, "Oh, thank God, I get a double play grounder from Jim Ed." Yeah, certainly. He's going to kill right. my rally. All right. Okay. I'll see you next week. Okay. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>